When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It really feels like I do this professionally now that I have a microphone in my house. It really does. Mm. Like the moment I had this set up made me feel like, oh, I'm a podcaster. Yeah, going to a recording studio, for some reason, it just feels unprofessional. (laughs) All right, James. I pay a lot of money for that studio. You better feel professional in there. We also eat a lot there, so. That's that is that's also true. I do true. everything in my power. I, I do bring a dog there. Yep. <laughs> sometimes run dogs around. Dogs need jobs too. Dogs need jobs. Jobs. Dogs need jobs. Dogs need jobs. Let's head back to Gable real quick. We can quick. get rid of this fella pretty quick. Get back to Jonnet. Yeah, yeah. I feel like dispatching this fella. Dispatch the boy. So, Dispatch the boy. You have gathered a lot of information about this, and the last poll was really in your favor. So you can pull two luminaries here and pick which one you'd prefer. Really? Yeah. This We're doing this kind of cinematically. Okay. Uh, this will determine if uh, you suffer any ill consequences. Okay. Dirt. Okay. Well, both of these are pretty decent. We got the newborn and the forest queen. Okay. The newborn is probably better, right? Yeah, the newborn is about responsibility. Um, I think. Let me repostability. Responsible. For my Paschetti. <laughs> so beginnings, responsibility, and potential. Okay. So let's actually start at the beginning. So the the dual well, the forest queen you can yeah the forest queen we can re- return to the pool uh, so the competition like once we have finished with the dueling rounds it is time for uh, the points champion to enter the field and demonstrate what their weapon will be and like begin the start of the joust. You can see Hinder on one side of the field. Uh, Hinder is in kind of like uh, really must up clothes. They, they look like they've sweated a great deal uh, through this competition. They have fought hard. Their bird looks a little bit tired, but the crowd is really with them. Uh, and you are just stepping onto the field for the first time. In the center of the field, there is a dummy that has been set up, and there is a judge in front of you, 
as your name is announced, Gable has entered the competition. Uh, and the judge like holds up a hand as the crowd is roaring uh, for silence. And in a very sort of authoritative and ceremonial tone, they say, please present your weapon. Gable has uh, reaches up and over, bends the elbow to pull out the great sword. And in a fit of drama that they have inherited from Travis, <laughs> has put a little bit of flint on the, the holster. Yeah. And normally the the great divine fire would be created through like, oh, we're going into a meditative space or whatever. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. in a pinch, <laughs> they pull it out slowly, slowly, slowly and showering the entire uh. floor with sparks and then thunk it down, yes. down to the right. The audience, like, like there is cheering with uh, the as the sparks like come out, uh, a, a roar of applause. Uh, but there is confusion as the great sword is shown on the screen. People see how tall Gable is and how large the sword is. I've, I've been studying your character art. That sword is at it's least impossible. nine feet tall. It is tall. impossible. Yeah. There's no way. It's, Absolutely not. It's so very long, and like people see the weight of it as it thuds into the ground, mm-hmm. and there's confusion. You are aware oh, no. that to compete with this weapon, you'd have to be able to wield it with one arm. Yes. <laughs> uh, oh, God. There is like some giggling in, in, in the audience. There's confusion. There's murmuring. There's a dummy there? Yeah. I'm going to melee attack it. Oh, God. The judge goes like, like steps back as you appear to be approaching it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is easy. Yes. <laughs> easy is one purple die. I don't have any blacks for doing it with one arm or. Oh yeah. Let's give you a black die, but remove one of those purple, please. Oh, that's not as fun as I wanted to be. It's an advantage. It's an advantage. Uh, so you move. Uh, the- oh no, I want, I know what this is. Mm-hmm. So the audience doesn't read this, but Gable brings up the sword and tries to take the head off of the dummy, all of a sudden they realize they haven't used this in a little bit. So instead, they're like, oh, this is heavy, throws it down at the feet of the judge. Whoa. Uh, I think, like, a huge bit of uh, dirt, like, is kicked up and uh, sort of explodes in the direction of the judge, and the audience is silent. Gable judge, turns around and looks and looks at Tiberius. The judge, like spitting dirt, rubbing it out of their face, throws down a red flag. You will be starting the match at a five point disadvantage uh, uh, for like disorderly conduct. Huh. Uh, Casey, can we get some booze, some crowd <laughs> booze in here? <laughs> spitting dirt out, the judge goes. Please strike the dummy so we can begin the competition. Next time, don't question my strength. 
And oh, please describe the rad friggin' way that Gable beats up this dummy. Yeah. Pick up Wait. the dummy with one hand, the sword with the other, and slap him slap together. Wait, I thought it was hurting this this fella. What is this? What what so am I what are we doing what, right what now? What you're doing right now is a sort of ceremonial thing to prove that you can wield your weapon with one arm. Oh, okay. Um so like that's the question. If for this to be a legal weapon, Gable has to be able to use it with one arm. You just need to demonstrate on this dummy that that is possible for you. Oh, okay. Then Gable's going to try and rope a dope and just like hold it like a joust and threaten try and thrust it forward towards the Easy. You, you don't yeah. need to roll for this because yeah. like just like yeah. You you It you, looks very weak but it does the job. Yeah. Like you do it and like the audience is still unsure. Like it looks like you had a lot of trouble with mm-hmm. that weapon. Um I would like to cut forward in time a little bit where the match is close. And the the only reason that the match is close right now is because you started with a five-point disadvantage for disorderly conduct. You need to finish this match quickly. Because you drew the newborn, I I don't think you've used many resources. What has Gable's strategy been so far? Pure brawl, just brawling and trying to wear this already worn-out man and bird out completely. Because... Feasibly, it could be done in one blow, but I think Gable is definitely trying to underwhelm the audience so people don't realize how strong they actually are, really dragging him along as much as possible. And then this last blow is going to be, like in in A Knight's Tale, going for the the last joust and going straight just for his uh, shoulder. Excellent. Excellent. I really like the idea that Gable has been putting on this display of being less than perfect Mm -hmm. in in their jousting technique. So you strike this person on, on the shoulder, but it's like a very sloppy hit. And the sheer mass and weight of your sword is enough to like send them tumbling back. And you can see like, like the audience can see below that a yellow strike has hit like uh, the vases explode all the way up to the yellow sand, putting a four point injury on the board for you, sending you over just enough to move on to the champion's oh, that's round. Not great. Mm. Fine. Uh, I did this on purpose. So, if I lose, it's on purpose. Yeah, like, uh, <laughs> but like moving off the field, like Gable is crowned champion uh, and the, the audience is not happy with this. Well, fine. Um, they, they're not happy with this because Hinder put on quite a display evading your seemingly sloppy and lazy strikes. Mm-hmm. Um, looking over to Tiberius Youngblood, you can see sharp-eyed confidence on his face. What a dummy. Unshakable what a confidence. Dummy. This um, idiot. I would like to... Interesting. Are you luminizing yourself? Yeah, I'm I'm seeing how the other champions react to this. Gotcha. So I drew a card for our other champion who whose name I will eventually remember. Nah. Uh Ratu Ki. Uh Ratu Ratu Ki. (laughs) (laughs) Ki like it has been studying this match closely and Gable's not paying attention to them, but we can see as uh, the people watching this story unfold that Ratu 
Chewy. understands <laughs> that Gable is holding back. Okay. And has an incredibly sharp eye for technique and feels as though they see some sort of a weakness in Gable's technique and has taken note of it. Meanwhile, Hildred drew the Star Watcher. Hildred knows, knows exactly what I'm doing. Yep. For sure. Yeah. And uh, has their own look of confidence on huh. her face. With that, let's cut back to Jonnet. Jonnet, time has passed. You've been in this meditative state. I want to see how this ceremony is going to progress for you, so please draw a luminary. Luminary. <laughs> the maelstrom. Oof. Oh, the maelstrom. Oh, yes. boy. Oh, uh, oh no. Uh, All right. <laughs> the Maelstrom, also known as the Tempest, Chaos, Change, and Storm. Right now, the tendrils of darkness <laughs> and, and mm. blue light are swirling around each other. This ceremony, this spell that protects this city is deeply unstable. And it, it, it feels like at times it's all you can do to hold back the roaring anger of the ocean without, like, suffering dearly. There are things that you know about magic, uh, things that you know you could do. You could make larger sacrifices, give yourself more power, entreat a luminary. But they're all dangerous prospects, and you're on the precipice of a very dangerous situation. If this doesn't work out, you might need to flee the city because the mariner will fly in. What does Jonnet do? I don't know. Yes. Okay. Jonnet is going to add something that he has done that has been in his playbook, his magic playbook, uh, for a while now to this new thing that he is kind of just discovering. He's going to bleed. Yeah. No. And so I feel like those are inherently conflicting because he's going to try and stay in a meditative state while also inflicting pain on himself. So I think it's just going to be one of those things where he, is being overwhelmed and hit by like the reality of the situation where there is the dark tendrils are reaching for the, the city and they're getting closer. And the, the pressure is, is to the point where like his eye is starting to close Mm -hmm. and he, and now as to the point of like his exhaustion that he has to will it to stay open, to stay engaged, to stay, uh, focused. And so again, with this, like, I feel like Jonathan is all in his head in this like divine light. But in that moment, his body kind of like takes over for him and just tries to give him an extra bump that he needs. So he is just going to uh, reach up. And I don't even know if he feels this, but he bites his thumb very hard Mm -hmm. and uh with that he draws blood he like squeezes it out he bites his other thumb he squeezes it out Mm. and then on this cloth 
the silk around the circle of the, the, the hourglass, he's going to draw another circle and in blood around the hourglass. So it's like another layer, hopefully, to like amplify his connection with this spell, this ritual. Cool. I would like you to, first of all, take four strain. Yes. Then... I would like you to make a hard arcane check. Um, give yourself two blue dice because your eye is open. Okay. Hard is three purple. Okay. And actually, let's exchange one of those purple. Bah, actually, let's exchange all three of those purple for three red, please. The fuck? Okay. Mm-hmm. Agenda? Mm-hmm. <laughs> No, this is uh, no, no. This is this is the Mariner. This is yeah. It's it's like the totality of like, of like all all evil. Yes. Um. It's not enough. It's not enough. Okay. I it is might not be enough. Um. Well. Okay. So we've got one success and. One threat. Oh my god! Yeah, one success, one threat. Yeah, one success, one threat. That wow! Rules. Mm-hmm, Look mm-hmm, at mm-hmm. this boy. Yeah, I, I think Jonnet, uh, like you, don't even notice that you're doing this. Like, like you start this circle, but at some point in drawing the circle, your hand lifts off the mat and your blood follows you below your fingers with like in a the trail. air exactly oh yeah get the f- okay cool <laughs> you stir it up and and we can see uh that with that you are turning these tendrils that are like clashing against each other there's the blue clashing against the black uh the dark water against the light water and rather than trying to hammer harder with the light water which has pretty much been the strategy that you've had for this time you create a maelstrom a maelstrom is a whirlpool you create a series of whirlpools swirling these tendrils together slowly across the border of dark water and light water several maelstroms form we can see out in the distance the threat the threat is several maelstroms have formed. Actual maelstroms. Actual maelstroms, and not even just water maelstroms, are setting maelstroms. Storms that combine the wrath of seasons. So I think there are like eight different storms have formed supercells in the water far out. You can see these massive pillars of clouds. And around you, you can feel kind of a faint buzzing of the world around you changing. Travis, I think this doesn't affect anyone more than you because you are a changeling. And when the seasons change, your animal form changes. So you are sitting, like, watching the broker, sort of arranging things around the city, like, talking to sorcerers as they are, like, creating a version that that you might be able to do this to human beings. They're experimenting with things, and you're, like, you've got this cool sort of disaffected board. I'm drinking a drink, look. And suddenly, something in your soul, like, wrenches as you feel, like, the animalistic tendencies that bubble beneath the surface of your personality 
reality clash and meld together in a really weird and uncomfortable way. You only feel this way when you're close to the heart of a maelstrom. What oh. happens? Oh, oh? Oh! Um. <sighs> Mr. Broker? I'll have what he's having. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, y- yes, yes. Uh, do you perhaps have a fainting couch? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I grow faint every day. I I think I just need to to set a spell. It hits you again. Uh, <laughs> oh. Get- Get this dramatic man a, a fainting couch. Oh, Hurry. Oh, oh gracious. <laughs> a fan, a Norse fan. Is it, is it vapors? <laughs> I, it might be. <laughs> now, Mr. Broker, does anything strange happen at the end of RP, RP or the bird times? <laughs> strange? Yes, I don't know. Anything magical and spooky and weird. I'm just not feeling well, you see, and sometimes... It's because of spooky magic. Oh, yes. Uh, I, I've, I've got a friend whose knee acts up anytime there's spooky magic about. I, I can't walk. I can't walk. <laughs> oh, there he goes. That oh. knee acting up again. I'm a runner. That's my job. I will your die. Job? I will die here not running. Uh, they run, but sometimes they dance on the weekend. Okay. Mm. Uh, just James just gave me a look. <laughs> mm. uh, no, not not not. I mean, there's there's a big celebration. Sure, a just lot of people a, get very intoxicated. The usual spooky magic, nothing exceptional. Then no. Well, that's disconcerting. You're mm-hmm. hit with another wave of maelstrom energy. Now, Mister Broker, <laughs> is there a way to find out if there's unusual spooky magic? I, I can have someone look into it. What am I feeling right now? Am I feeling, am I feeling seasons change, or am I feeling like kind of the urge to change, even though it's not time? You're feeling seasons change. Uh, so, it, like, I, I think when a season shifts, like you can feel what animal. Like, you always know what season it is because, like, mm. that animal is inside you. And what's happening right now is there are so many forces that are rapidly switching between them. It's having a physical effect on you. Okay. It's been autumn for a few days, yes. Yes, almost the whole week. It's been unseasonably autumn lately. (laughs) (laughs) Conveniently autumn from a storytelling perspective. (laughs) Mr. Broker, I think tonight will be quite an interesting night. Okay. The broker, like, grabs the drink out of your hand. Uh, yes, if you could refresh that, that would be wonderful. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're and go- not with poison. All right, you all heard. <laughs> <laughs> Let's cut back to the joust. Gable, it's time to begin Jeez. the champion's joust. Lord in heaven, I've been I waiting for know. this. Give me, give me, yum, yum, yum. There are four perches at either corner of the arena. You can see uh, Hildred and Victory on their perch, which is across the way from yours, directly across the field. Like you're facing Hildred. Mm -hmm. Um, You're surrounded on either side by Tiberius on Aristocracy and Key on Batari. 
you have your sort I mean, what are you doing? Like, uh, to the, are you posturing to the crowd? Where are you focused right now? I am not doing anything interesting. I am hyper focused and trying not to give away any sort of methods or plans. Excellent. Yeah. So Tiberius is definitely posturing to the crowd, as is Hildred, because she's done this a million times. And, you know, to to a certain extent, uh, Key is as well. But Key appears to be a lot more focused on on you specifically. Mm -hmm. I think uh, there are four judges, one from each seasonal court. They each uh, have like a small like sort of bottle or totem and they smash it with a hammer. And at that, vases uh, that are on the field like explode with sand. Um, And that is the signal to start. We're not going to roll initiative or anything. Gable, you're up first because you're the PC. Great. What are you going to do? I am diving into the air as far up as is safe. And then diving back down as fast as is possible. So you have actions on your sheet. Uh, Every round you get one action and one maneuver or Mm -hmm. two maneuvers, whichever you would prefer. Mm -hmm. Um, Your actions are push, which will increase your speed. Seize, which will allow you to either take something from an opponent or try to lift that opponent off of their bird. Evade, which makes it harder to hit you. Charge, which uh, actually allows you to attack your opponents, or quarry, which allows you to zero in on a single foe and prepare to attack them. Okay, okay. So maneuver and an action. Yes, and you can perform your maneuver first or your action first, really whichever order you prefer. Can the maneuver be the the going up? Yes, yes. that that going up uh, feels like that could be a stunt to gain speed. Yes, that, um, that's exactly what it is. Okay, so you can do a normal stunt to gain one speed, or you can spend an endurance to gain two speed. How much endurance do I have? My endurance is now 12, and my speed is five after this maneuver of stunt. Excellent. Uh, what action do you want to do, or the action, do you want to do another maneuver? The action is cease. I am going to dive bomb at aristocracy to try and unseat Tiberius. Ooh, you're going straight for a seize. Yep. All right. Now you can spend speed to upgrade uh, this uh, attack. Are you going to be doing this uh, using your bird's strength or are you going to do this with a melee attack? I think melee attack makes sense because I want to preserve Metatron for as long as I can. In yeah, because that would escape. that would uh, it would take endurance if Metatron was going to do. Yes, the and we already take endurance to do the dive on in the first. So I'll do a melee attack. Are you going to spend any speed on this, or are you just like going for a seize? Um, spending speed would make it less hard. Is that so? So spe- so basically, uh, oh, that's push. Never that's push. Okay. Uh, seize is here. Seize is a daunting check. Oh yes, I would like that very much. <laughs> I'll spend a lot of speed to do that. Uh, you're going to be facing four purple. Okay, I'll spend three speed. Okay, because that'll bring us like but, there. I don't need speed if I'm dive bombing. We're going to stop at the ground anyway. Right. So you're Just upgrading n- three times. So that is going to be one, one green and three yellows versus my melee. Rolling. So no, this is modifying your melee. When when you're spending oh, that speed, you're upgrading. Okay, great. So that is okay. yeah. 
I, I will let you know you're immediately trying to uh, dis like dismount yep. this opponent. Okay, yeah, you don't know the rules, so yep, sure, absolutely great. <laughs> you can't lose if you never play. Okay, well, this is not great. So, <laughs> wow, very not great. Wow, great. Okay, so this is. A uh, a failure and a threat. A oh. failure oops. and oops. a threat. Oops, oops. Uh, nothing could relieve me more. If you had managed to immediately dismount Tiberius, he would have been disqualified and probably have lived, uh, which would have been very bad for the narrative. But okay. instead, something bad happens to you, which is great. Yay, bad. So I'm at one speed and I whiffed it so bad, you guys. Mm-hmm. I did. I did it real bad. Wow, okay. Well. Well. There's a lot of shit going on there's in a lot, lot. of different we're doing, directions. We're doing, a lot. we're doing the best we can. One speed, uh, you're going to, when you use all your speed, you'll be reset to your minimum at the end. So actually, no. Yeah, he's, whew, It's, it's going to be, uh, I think we've learned something today. I don't know what that lesson is, but I've learned it. I can say that. I've. Yeah, so uh, it's just going to be an average check for Tiberius to uh, try and strike back at you. I think Tiberius is going to do a charge and commit to the strike. So it's going to upgrade the attack for free. Um, what if Gable dies? Yeah, well. Oops. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, there's that. And moving at minimum speed didn't gain any speed. He's not going to spend any speed on this. He is going to have uh, a blue die because you have maneuvered yourself into a disadvantageous position. Oh, yes. Oh, no. Yes. Oh, no. So I will point out that Tiberius's weapon is a traditional lance. Um, It is a long white lance, or actually it's it's a purple and yellow lance because those are the colors of the Youngblood family. Uh, Yep. Chosen by Waluigi himself, JPC. (laughs) Oh, no. Um, (laughs) So... He rolls Jesus. Wow. Oh, <laughs> no. Oh, so that no. is five successes <laughs> and one advantage. Whoa. Oh, Jesus Christ. Whoa. Oh, this has gone so bad so what? quick. Mm-hmm. What Let's happened? See. Oh, boy. Cool. Well, it's been nice knowing y'all. So you are going to take 12 damage. On me, my body, or bird body? Uh, So you uh, see this lance coming at you, and it strikes you across the back at incredible speed. And you brace your body to feel extreme pain because this hit you on your back where your scars are. You're prepared to pass out. If not die of of a heart attack or something, this is like one of the worst things that could possibly happen to you, a a disastrous strike on your back. However, you do feel braced, but you aren't hurt. You're a little bit confused because the one opponent that you fought in the joust before, uh, Hinder didn't really get a hit on you. Mm -hmm. Nothing solid. Uh, but we can see below 
your jars explode all the way up to orange, uh, which means you've gotten a severe injury and Tiberius has been awarded four points. Are they healing us? They're not healing you. The damage being done to you is being displaced to the sand in the jars below. Oh my gosh. Oh no, I did it. I did this so wrong. Oh no. So if I tried, uh, oh, okay, cool, 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 great. All right, got it. The kinetic energy is completely displaced where you, you are rattled a little bit and it like hurt, but it's not terrible. This is so fucking cool. I know, man. <laughs> that means, that means I can't hurt him. That means I have to, I have to play the game, James. To be able, uh, I'm so mad. <laughs> I have to cooperate. I have to play. <laughs> hey, heroes, it's James, your game master. Welcome to the campaign canned mid roll. Uh, I'm going to be traveling for the next couple of weeks. So I'm not going to have time to do careful, bespoke mid-rolls. So you're going to be hearing these exact phrases repeated several times over the next couple weeks. Hopefully it doesn't get too annoying. Heroes, the holidays are coming up, and my new book happens to be available right now. If you know someone that you love in your life who loves RPGs and actual play shows like what we've got here on One Shot, Critical Role, The Adventure Zone, or any of the hundreds of other wonderful programs out there, and they'd like their games to function more like those shows, then the Ultimate RPG Gameplay Guide is probably a good gift for them. In it, I try to break down my process to approaching RPGs, which has been informed by years of doing actual plays professionally. It also includes tons of tools and exercises to make that process easier. You can find an online or brick-and-mortar retailer by heading to bit.ly slash rpggameplay. Or if you already have a book, you can leave a review on Amazon by going to bit.ly slash ultimategameplay. If you buy my book for a friend, you're also kind of buying a gift for me. Because I get royalties, baby! Before we get back to the show, I'd like to take a quick moment and thank some of our backers on Patreon. Jess Vetter, thank you so much. Lee Spee, thank you very much. Ryan Chilton, thank you so much. Daniel Spencer, thank you very much. Nicole Green, thank you so much, Nicole. Max Hazelin, thank you so much. Uh, sorry for the question mark there, Max. There are a lot of pronunciation symbols that I don't recognize in your name, but I think your email address managed to help me out. Let me know if I need to say that again. Ben Lee, thank you so much. Thanks again to all of our supporters on Patreon. We would not be able to make this show without you. One quick note before we return to the show. Unlike in previous years, One Shot and Campaign are going to be taking vacations on Thanksgiving and Christmas. Normally, One Shot doesn't skip a day, and I've been pretty much keeping that up with Campaign. This year, I'm trying to treat myself a little bit more reasonably. And frankly, there are also other people involved with the production of this program that I don't want to put out by making them work holidays. So prepare for those skip weeks. And now with all of that out of the way, let's get back in the sky. Hey, 
I'm so glad that that you've realized this, and and Gable has realized this too in this oh, moment. God, uh, just as Batari has swept down to make their own attack against nope, you. Nope, nope, nope. Batari is using a spiked chain um, that they swing through the air gracefully towards you, like from the back of their massive honking swan. Mm-hmm. And let's see, Batari is going to be, yeah, I guess they're, are they going to, yeah, they're going to commit to the strike too, Gosh. but they probably had three green. So that's only one yellow for committing to the strike. Gable is still in a disadvantaged position. Absolutely. Because why? Okay. So, Batari uh, scores two uh, successes and two advantages. God, this bird's got 30 endurance. There's no way we're beating this bird. (laughs) (laughs) So, a blue, uh, your your vases, which were immediately replaced after you were struck, explode again, this time up to blue, gaining Batari two points as they earn a strike. And now we go over to Hildred and Victory. Hildred, instead of in- jumping immediately into the melee, is going to push. Oy. I'm so mad. They're going to spend one endurance on this push. Okay, that was barely a success with three threats. So Hildred uh, has one success, three threats, and is going to be increasing speed, but not by much. So Hildred begins uh, a flight into, actually, that's not bad. Uh, Hildred's already at uh, the top of their speed range with 10. So while Gable has like made this near miss and immediately got hammered uh, from either side by two opponents, uh, Hildred has brought victory into an arc circling the arena, uh, whipping up to a terrible speed. After uh, that push, Hildred is going to blah, blah, blah. Hildred is going to stunt. Uh, So... Uh, Victory drops down into a small dive before making a tighter circle around her opponents in the arena, uh, bringing her total speed to 11. Gable, it's your turn again. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, I need to gain speed because I've got none of it. Uh, at the start of this new round, your oh, you speed said- goes up to your minimum again. Cool, uh, so whatever your minimum is, that's what you're traveling is at. three. Okay. Cool, 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 cool. I guess I, Gable realizes that they need to stay in the game as long as possible. So they grab on to Metatron, grit their teeth, and say, I guess we have to play the game. And then we're going to, taking a cue from Hildred, stunt as nice. maneuver. Um, and I can, I don't want to use endurance, so we're just going to gain one speed. Okay, perfect. Yeah. You stunt, your speed moves up. To four, we're speed at four. And what are you going to do as your action, uh, action. action? Oh, so many pages, so many pages. 
I don't feel comfortable doing any more charges just yet. So I think we're going. So you, to... last time you tried to seize. I, well, yeah, I know, but seize is wild. It's well, like a thing that you would difficult. do towards the end once your opponent is very tired. Um, charge is just an attack. Uh, so it might not be bad. Uh, and the difficulty of the attack is determined by the speed differential between you and your opponent. Right now, everyone except for Hildred is moving at their base speed. Okay. Then I need to get people off me more than anything. I want to clear the field and get Tiberius focused on me for one-to-one. So we, uh, I do an attack on uh, Batari. Okay, so you're going to charge? Mm-hmm. All right. Um, Batari is currently moving at speed two. Uh, and you're moving at four. four. Uh, that's within three. So this is going to be just a hard check. Versus my melee? Uh, versus your melee. My personal melee. Yes. Okay. Oh, thank God. Three successes. Hell yes. Woo! Woo! Back in the game. Woo! Kind of. <laughs> sort of back in the game. Woo! Asterix. Three successes uh, plus seven. So that is ten. Ten damage overall. May I say what I think this looks like? Oh, please do. This is Gable swinging the sword outwards like it's opening a door and trying to hit the the goose by the neck. Ooh, striking that goose. Like thunk it and make it a little bit dizzy. Goose. Uh, So... What, like I, I think it arcs exactly like you say, and the goose like gets hit. Like you can see that it's 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 stunned a little bit and kind of rolls off and has to reclaim itself. As beneath in the arena, we can see green sand has exploded up out of the vases that have been placed down, and Gable gets a four points. Ooh, four is better than none. That's just mad. <laughs> you just strike back. <laughs> you can tell we're getting tired. <laughs> yeah, yeah, God. I think Youngblood is just going to continue to... No, Youngblood is going to try and quarry Hildred. God, this is going to be a rough check for him to make. Uh, he's going to try and quarry Hildred, and to do that, he is going to stunt first. Um, boy. He's a spicy stunt boy, and he is going to spend the endurance, moving him down to 19 on endurance, and increasing his speed to 4. He has to overcome three red dice in order to quarry this person. However, he's using grace here, so that's three green. Um, and I think he is going to spend all four speed, which will make him extremely vulnerable in the rest of the round. More like sextremely vo- vulnerable. People are very horny very for this character. Very horny for this nasty villain. What if he does it, though? <laughs> uh, he doesn't manage what to do it. What if he doesn't do it? <laughs> In fact, he has one failure, and that's it. Just a failure. Whoop. Yeah. Um, so he s- tries to follow 
and, and like outmaneuver uh, uh, Victory um, and Hildred, but they are simply moving too fast around the arena, too fast to even care about the clunky movements of this slow-moving golden eagle that hasn't spent too much time souping up its speed. He's darted across the arena, uh, but clearly he is not as well practiced at this as Hildred. And you can see the frustration on his face as he's had to maneuver and remaneuver several times, slowing him to a near crawl. At this point, uh, Batari is going to go and I think Batari is going to strike at Gable again. Must we... Must we do this? Yeah, Batari is going to commit to the strike on this, but the speed differential, what, what's uh, your current speed? Uh, it got reset, or am I still at four? You're, you're still at four, still unless at four. you spent any. I did not. Okay, uh, so you're at four, and Batari's at two. Okay. Uh, that's a big old whiff from Ooh, Batari. Um, stupid goose. <laughs> Uh, so I, I think at this point, this like swan. Metatron and Batari are facing each other and headed towards each other. Like you, you pass at a near miss. It would be an opportunity for you both to strike at one another. Gotcha. The spiked chain is whirled at uh, you, but how does Gable, Gable holds up their arm and catches the chain. So it spins around their arm uselessly. Okay. So like, it's like how, when you throw like those uh two balls on a on a string like you can catch it in the a middle mm-hmm. uh, so like 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 throwing a bola yeah yeah, bola. yeah. okay okay but th- you realize that that's still attached to your opponent like th- this is that's essentially what they're trying to do is well, wrap just it the ball you. but if not if i'm okay okay so you catch the chain Catching it on the chain so it, like, wraps around. Okay, okay. So then I guess, like, yeah, you you catch it with your arm and perform a complicated maneuver to disentangle it from yourself? Yes. Okay. So, yeah, they they were trying to, like, pull you off or whip at you and cause damage. But, like, you have managed to, like, uh, wrap it around your arm and fling your arm backwards in just the right way to throw off the chain as it uselessly clatters to the side. It's now Hildred's turn. And Hildred is going to go after Batar. No, Hildred is going to go after Tiberius. Okay. Hildred is going to hit Tiberius because he's currently moving extremely slowly. Right now, because Hildred is moving so much faster than him, this is going to be an average check instead of a hard check for her. And she is going to spend no speed on this but commit to the strike. So that is three successes and an advantage. Tiberius, who has been trying to chase Hildred for quite some time, uh, finds himself in a frustrated spinning position, sort of trying to regain altitude after a failed chase when he is struck from behind with Hildred's lance. Hildred like moves in like a dart, uh, hits him very quickly, and manages to score an injury. Hopping all the way up to yellow on this chart, putting Hildred on the board. Hmm. Let's cut over to Jonnet. Jonnet, the world is at Maelstrom right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have managed to like prevent uh, the oncoming 
dark waters. But right now, you've just created a defensive barrier. You need to fortify that defense. What are you going to do? I I would like Jonnet to ask for the help of the Jonnet that he knows is in the future. Oh. Like, I feel like he's, he is like, I feel like he's hinted at him for a couple times. Like, he knows he's there. He knows this future person exists. And he assumes that he is more versed in this magic and the spells. And he is going to plead to his eye, to the divine light, to, like, to basically ask for his help. All right. Let's pull a card. The Butcher. Butcher is not good. (laughs) Okay. Let me just pull up its specific reading right now. I like how we're all just really shit in the bed with these poles and I, stuff. Yeah, it it turned. It turned. Yeah. We were killing like, it, and then... Like, the world knew that, like, it's 11.30. We're pretty tired. Let's just drag <laughs> this shit out. Yeah. There's like, we're not gonna give it to them. We're not gonna... They're gonna get it, but we're not gonna give not it to them. It. <laughs> you gotta earn it. Violence, dread, and misfortune. Jeez! Mm. We're never um, gonna leave! narrative. If a situation could come to violence, it will. Other situations are cast into an all-encompassing peril. In the auspices of the butcher, one must be mindful to avoid its wrath. Uh, Though this luminary is generally an ill portent, a clever PC can avoid the worst consequence if they are clever. All the butcher wants is a victim. Take pains to avoid being one. Okay. That might not be bad. Well, I have to, I have to sell somebody out. <laughs> so, I think what happens, we're, we're sort of in a mindscape where you're watching the sea. Yeah, I feel like he's very removed. Like, yeah, and you've entreated your future self. So, that liquid, that sky blue liquid, comes together. And it forms a vision of the person Jonnet knows he will become. This strong captain flowing in these sparkling blue waves. And what weapon does Jonnet use in the future? Ooh. Oh, man. I don't. <laughs> okay, it's like um, small scythes that are like <gasps> um, there. It's like it's a scythe, but it's also like a like sort of like a nun like chain. Oh, a kunai. Yeah, yeah. A kunai thank you. On a thank chain. you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Mortal combat. There it is. <laughs> yeah, he's got his standard pistol, but that at some point he picked that up and is like, "That's mine." So, yeah, like these tendrils of water form this chain for this kunai and Jonnet starts like this complicated uh, battle stance uh, with the kunai and chain. Then the inky blackness of the dark water on the other side of the maelstrom forms a figure, a gaunt looking human thing with inky black eyes. 
Is it, it is it behind the figure, the, the adult Jonnet? So adult Jonnet, like there are, there's this wall of storm gotcha. uh, separating you from the inky darkness, and like the adult Jonnet has formed like this massive titanic creature made out of waves and pulled gotcha. its weapon, and on the other side is this like. They're they're wearing an old school naval uniform, uh, something that was the original inspiration for the Red Feather Syndicate uniforms. Mm -hmm. And you can see the elements of the Red Feather Syndicate in the style of this design, but it looks old to your eyes. And the terror that lives in Jonnet's heart, the part of Jonnet's mind and person that creates nightmares lights up as you see this figure. You know that this is the Mariner, and right now you are battling against it. The most wicked thing that ever lived, if you can call what it does life. So Jonnet sees this form, and I think he is terrified, trembling. He's in awe of what he has just done in that he's made that connection with his future self or at least conjured some sort of vision, like embodiment of it. Um, so I, again, he's like, he's thinking to himself, this is not, this is not my end. Whatever you have for me, it's, it's not my end. You cannot, you cannot succeed because I cannot fail. Um, and I think in that, Jonnet is going to try and cut off the water. He's going to try and part the water in sort of like a barrier. Like um, Moses style? Moses, well, it's like, yeah, I mean, to the, to the degree of like, try and separate the inky, water from what is left of the clear pure water and trying and as if that is going to like put a stop to the mariner okay it's totally defensive it's i love it because so, his, th his thought process is if the black water cannot advance then the mariner the the visage of the mariner cannot uh advance as well i like this this is going to be a daunting check yeah Three red, one purple. You begin this task and you can see that this vision of your uh, future self is not the only figure here. Traveler Quan yeah. has formed their own vision out of the blue water and is fighting with you. That is going to upgrade your role by one. You still have two blue dice because your eye is open. Upgrading your role changes any greens to yellow. Oh, I got no greens. Okay, so then yeah. it will add a green. Oh, okay, great. Is there anything else Jonnet would like to do to try and enhance this? You can try and entreat a luminary, which that could be playing not, a very dangerous mm, game. It's not been not going well. This. You can make additional sacrifice. He's already getting a lot of blood. It's given a lot of blood. This is also an important fight. So. Yeah. Is there a way to like, this is sort of like out of game. I don't know. Does it does this sound interesting or feasible or doable? Because I'm like, is it is it considered a sacrifice if Jonnet does something that would jeopardize 
his eventual becoming of this captain. Oh. Yes. And I don't know what that I don't know what that looks like, but I'm like, I think that that sounds interesting, but I don't know how because now we're in like weird timeline. I think that's like a looper kind of thing yeah. where you're chopping off bar- body parts. So here is how sacrifice works. Uh-huh. Um, we actually, in a piece of bonus content that is already posted a long time ago, but it's not up right now. Uh, I, Pat, uh, my, my friend Pat and I kind of like discussed magic in this setting to like sort of define it. And the blood sacrifices that you've been doing to enhance your spells are part of a larger pool of abstract sacrifice. You can drop blood because it's an easy and obvious sacrifice, but you could also sacrifice uh, your love of music, which would be a major sacrifice, but really bolster the spell. Uh, If you were to sacrifice some vision, uh, some some part of the certainty you have in this, I would consider that an incredibly major sacrifice and it would upgrade the role significantly, but it could also drastically alter the course that is so clear for Jonnet right now. Mm. what you have right now is certainty yeah you know that is your future yeah yeah yeah. you could instead you could sacrifice your certainty and put doubt on that that's trippy or like just kind of like fucking harmony granger this shit where it's like do i give up a memory do i give up a person do i give up zana do i give up you could do something like that as well okay so in this moment Jonnet is low-key panicking. He sees Traveler Quan, but it doesn't really it doesn't really make him feel much calmer. I and I think it's because Traveler Quan, you can feel that she is also afraid. Yeah. And so then Jonnet's Jonnet's panicking brain starts to like find something that gives him a calm feeling and so his mind goes to uh, gable and travis and uh just chopping it up on on the uhuru and it's not enough and he thinks back even further and he thinks back to akaron and uh he thinks about his family and he thinks about his dad and he thinks about zana and he thinks about hip and he thinks about hip and he thinks about hip and he can't remember hip's name But in that moment, he gets a surge. And so I think that's... uh, Sacrificing your memory of Hip is big. Because Hip is given, like, a lot of important shit to Jonathan. Yeah. So is this entirely you do not remember Hip? I think it's just his name. Great. Because this feels like... I feels like this is I'm discovering something very dark and with repercussions, and I want to maybe slowly get into this. But if we need more, we can. No, do no, more. no. I don't think we need more at all. <laughs> um, so you are going to burn Hip's name. Now there are two ways that you can do this as a mm-hmm. player. You can either burn it to the point that Jonnet will never be able to know this name again, or you can simply forget it. That is going to have a lesser effect. No matter what, Hip is a very important person to you. This is going to be hugely dramatic, but you can go hard on this or you can go soft on this. That I think will tell us something about Jonnet as a person. This is all a fight or flight. So I think he's going to forget Hip's name. Mm-hmm. He's going to remember a man that 
started his entire interest in adventuring. For, for sure. Uh, what, what I, well, I guess what I meant is, okay. in sacrificing this, you can sacrifice it to the point that even in the future, if you encounter Hip and he tells you his name, you won't be able to learn that information. Or you can just learn Hip's name again at some point later on. So one is... I'm going to burn it. I'm going to burn it. Fuck. Yeah. You have to. Hip's name burns itself out of your mind, and you feel an incredible surge of power. I f- can that? Oh, God. Because, like, the divine light so far we've described it is like tendrils and lines mm-hmm. and vectors. Can one of the, just the vector just blink out? Of, yes. Yeah. <laughs> And like, like it blinks out of existence and then you feel a surge of power. Uh, your eye opens like so forcefully yeah. and you can see on this future vision of yourself, that eye opens up as well. And of course, a tear falls down from it. You can feel that roll down your face, that, that faint buzzing before you're aware that it's happening, but so many more important things are happening. Upgrade this four times. Wow. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Okay, uh, so this becomes a yellow, and then I get three greens? Mm-hmm. Okay. Jesus. That's a lot of dice. Mind the cake. Okay, here we go. Okay. I Well, the end result is this fucking happens. <laughs> wow. Um, wow, 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 wow. How much of it happens? Wow. Five successes and two advantages. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Jonnet killed the mariner. Jonnet, you The story's kicked- over. <laughs> it's done. No. Roll Jonnet, credits. You kicked the mariner's ass. They were not expecting much resistance at all. From an abstract perspective, the Mariner has seen this purification ceremony happen many times, and they know that it was not working correctly. They know whomever they are facing is inexperienced and barely knows how to do this. As you were souping up to prepare this spell, their sword cuts through the maelstrom that separates you two. And we can see in the real world these several storms there is like a massive flash of light as lightning severs the connection of these storms and like waves start to pile in. And I think they hit a wall as, I mean, please describe like what does this big version of Jonnet do to part the seas? This uh, future Jonnet, does he exist in this, uh, ethereal plane or is there a actual version like water version of this person no no one can see gotcha. these giant okay, figures great, this great. is something that you know yeah great 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 like future john it sort of crosses his arms with the kunai sort of frames up his eye the eye goes from like a white to like it flashes like a very bright purple and in that there's just like a a big he swings them down and the force of it it's just a wave and it hits the the mariner and in the it strikes the mariner and then in the real world the pure water just like flares up and then pushes out yeah 
Yeah, I, I think like you can see Traveler Quan was definitely bracing for an attack. Uh, their three section staff w- was like flailing and, and ready to strike at the Mariner as he struck through this. And then you frame up this thing that we, we can see like in a bird's eye view above. There is land beneath like oh. the sea recedes these Ooh. two sides of the sea. There is one fish that is on the floor. Yeah. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Deb. <laughs> Deb. It's Mr. Limpet, poor and, guy. And you you can see like Traveler Quan freezes for a second. Uh and this sort of like watery vision of them turns to look at Jonnet in amazement and perhaps even a little horror. I think Jonnet looks back and very calmly is just like this future will not come to pass. And then, and then the parts and like the push. Yeah. Traveler Quan backs your play as you're doing it and the dark water recedes and we can see in that hourglass flowing up in a single line all of the inky blackness oozes to the top and becomes that bright clear fluid and you can see the mariner recede but the mariner's gaze turns to look at you it bores at you oh my god so is it was it so uh like I would love it if this whole time the Mariner has been making eyes on like the future version of Janet and as he's moving back he just like cocks his head to the side and just like stares past directly at real Janet the Mariner has seen you the Mariner knows who you are and the Mariner wants you (laughs) the Mariner will claim you as one of their drowned sailors You can feel that they've made that pronouncement against you. And we cut to your vision. Suddenly, the sky is full of ships at your command. And you can see, off in the distance, something that was unclear and indistinct before. You can see a fleet of ships sailing on water beneath you. Uh, What? What? Oh, dear Uhuru. Okay. Oh, I missed the visceral reaction. <laughs> mm. Oh, I kind of hate not being able to startle everybody in the room. Oh, oh you boy. did. It's, you did. It still it made me feel real different. bad. Let me know. Let me tell you. Oh, well, as long as it hurts your soul. Uh, dear Uhuru, mm. we've been loyal mates for nigh on three years apiece. For Skyjacks, you might call us lifers. Until the day we die aboard this here ship, we'll follow Captain Vale with nary a doubt. The good man himself can tell you our fealty is as strong as the feather weave that lifts us into the great blue. All that being said, we couldn't consider it our duties uh, to lodge this here formal complaint. There's been a disturbance on this ship. Uh, As of late, having... I'm sorry, the font in this email is super tiny, so I'm going to put Joker it in Man? Google Doc. Is it it's Papyrus? It's not Joker Man. Chiller? 
Papyrus. Uh, wing, it's wingdings, which is why I've had so much trouble reading I mean, it. Good I can you. only read webdings. Uh, <laughs> is webdings different than wingdings? I don't know. <laughs> There's been a disturbance on this ship as of late having to do with one of the trusty mates. She's been... Well, this lady's been shook by something. She's been taken to pooping on the poop deck and cowering in the crow's nest, behavior most unfitting of an officer. It's just not like her. And the cause of this behavior is the ship's been overrun with rats, cutting to the quick of it. There's something on board spooking Miss Muffins, the ship's cat. Not coincidentally, there have been sightings of a dog aboard, and that would be fine if it were bring your dog to work Thursdays, but it's not. No, ma'am. And this were no ordinary dog either. Looked to us like a jackal or some such, maybe even a coyote. Only come after sundown. Arrogant little thing, too. Walks around like it owns a damn place. If we don't do something, Miss Muffin's liable to up and quit. And the rats have made themselves quite a nest in the potato hold. But she's too afeard to come out to scare them off. All she can do is sulk in the scullery, not even tempted out with tuna. Well, we propose putting together a hunting party and capture this cur and set him free in the next port of call. But we need our captain behind us. Will you help? Oh, absolutely. I think we should definitely set out a party for this dog. In fact, but I don't think we should drop it off. I think we should kill it. Absolutely. If it's a menace. I'd like to see you try. I think that we should straight up. That's probably something that dog would say. It's supposed to be arrogant. Straight Like, I, I think if it's truly the menace that you say it is, which, let me follow the logic. Because of the dog, the rats are scared. Because the rats are scared, the cat is scared. Because the cat won't catch the rats, someone is shitting on deck. Is this the logic that I'm following? It's a real animal Rube Goldberg. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But yes, I think that any sort of dog that we find, or perhaps any sort of snake or rabbit, anything that doesn't appear to be an animal that's supposed to be on here, I think that we should just, uh, uh, you, you know, uh, 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 have a, a dispose of it. Here's what I'm proposing. I propose that we set up a series of elaborate death traps all over the ship. Mm-hmm. And we coax this creature into him. I'm talking a gigantic bear trap with a bunch of coyote feed and we'll stick a little sign in it that says free coyote feed. Just okay, first so it of knows all, it wouldn't have to pay. First and of then, all, I bet you don't even know what coyotes eat. And second of all, obviously if the coyote can read a sign, it's not going to be dumb enough to fall for a bear trap. Is it though? Well, that's only that's only to coax it out. You see, it'll clearly sniff at the free feed, being such a cheapskate and all, I'm projecting onto this creature. A lot. Then we'll chase it. We'll chase it to the ship, and it'll go to what it thinks is an egress point, but it's actually just a big archway that we've painted black on the wall it'll run right into it spit i have a quick no the coyote is the one that does the painting you see and i'll get myself into a gigantic slingshot so i can run as fast as this coyote and i'll just grab it right out of the air uh spit what i haven't looked at the books in a while how big is your prop budget i have a feeling that it's probably a little bit too big right 
Well, it seems know, extensive. I, I, he for... keeps getting more money, you see, with his giant magnet. I understand. Th- that makes a lot more sense. I was but wondering I... what happened to my coins. It's quite a lot, and especially quite a lot of explosives for a ship that is based on, you know, fire and... Uh, <gasps> Wait a minute. I need my novelty-sized explosives and fireworks. Ben, how am I supposed to get around when we land if I don't put on my roller skates and attach a gigantic <laughs> firework to my back and Wait light it so I go forward very, very quickly? Spit, how are we supposed to take off if the bottom deck of this ship is filled with anvils? <sighs> Listen, that's ballast. That keeps us balanced. That's important. I don't think so. I don't think so. What are so. all these pianos doing in the rigging of the ship. I can barely walk across the, the deck without a piano falling on me. Yes, well, one I fell mean, on spit and all of his teeth turned into K's. <laughs> 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 well, hang on here. Uh, uh, let me just uh, wipe uh, my, my, my face off. It got turned soot black by the explosion <laughs> that I was in mere moments ago. There we go. And as you can see, I'm no longer two eyeballs sitting on top of a, a tiny <laughs> pile of dust. I Now, I can understand maybe people being concerned about the anvils and, and concerned about the pianos, but I can assure you that that's an incredibly important part of the makeup of this here ship. You say a lot of things are really important to the makeup of this ship, and it makes me feel like you are just sometimes making things up to make things harder for us. Well, I say, I say, I say, you see here, Stop it. You stop it. We have to go. We're going to go kill this coyote with our bare hands. I've got to go conduct an orchestra and make sure that the front of my shirt doesn't keep rolling up. (laughs) You look so foolish. You really do. Oh, by the way, uh, before everyone heads off, we've got a new safety policy vis-a-vis heights. Uh, If you happen to be walking the lines on the ship and uh, you think you're going to fall, just do not look down. You will not begin falling until you notice you're not walking on anything. Look, I have already known that. That's common knowledge. It's pretty standard. That reminds me of our ship's uh, handcuff policy. You can only get out of handcuffs if it's to do something comical. But if you need to escape, you can't get out. Yep. Yes. <laughs> Good one. Good reference. Good. Hey. Hey, Travis. Yeah? Great universal kind of reference. That what was do you really mean? in line with what everyone else was doing. Yeah, totally. <laughs> hmm? I got another one. Uh, if you see a cat in trouble, save it so the audience will be on your side if we're given <laughs> more general kind of narrative references now. Sometimes Maybe we could do some of that. No, it was more specific than that. You're, you're all just bullies. No, just us. Wait, no, never mind. <laughs> well, hold on. Let's see uh, which season it is, uh, because it, if it's the proper season, we're supposed to make fun of Travis and all the decisions he makes. You don't. What? Hmm? Hmm. What? Yeah. Right here. It's Travis season. Oh. oh. Uh. I'm leaving. <laughs> Where are you going, Gable? Hey, can, I'm, fu- I'm coming with you. Did you like that dear Uhuru that we just did? Did I like it? As did in enjoyed like it? Did you like it? I mean, I mean, it, it started out pretty good and then it t- kind of turned off at the Gable, end. Gable, John, it wait for me. A giant eraser is trying to. 
No, we're not doing that Remove anymore. We're talking from... about this. Oh, wait. The eraser got your mouth. Oh, no. <laughs> Actually, I like that one. And uh, the universe kind of blacks out and zooms out, and we see JPC in a uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. cartoonist chair, mm-hmm. and he looks at the camera and goes, Ain't I a stinker? <laughs> yeah, there it is. Can we send yeah, a mic so we can record that? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure we can get that. Honestly, if we don't already have, there's got to be audio of him <laughs> saying, Ain't I a stinker? <laughs> God. Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter at at CampaignPod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. You can find more great gaming shows over at OneShotPodcast.com. Jonnet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter at Tyler A. Dave, on Mainstage with Second City, or at IO with Devil's Daughter. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at Liz Anderson underscore underscore underscore, or on her podcast, Paired. Travis Matago was played by Johnny O'Mara, who can be found on Twitter at Johnny and Briefs, or on his podcast, Dilettante Ball. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG or on my other podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this production was composed and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find Arnie on Twitter at A-R-N-E-P-A-R-R-O-T-T. And you can find more of his work at atptunes.com. This episode was edited by Casey Tony, who can be found on Twitter at Casey Pony, spelled C-A-S-E-Y-P-O-N-E-Y, or on his own podcast, Neoscum. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter at Fiona Pup. The world of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists and the card game Illimat, property of Together Studios. The role-playing game used for this production is a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system published by Fantasy Flight Games. There are no kings. Take flight, heroes. Strangers who've ever been kind, and once for our friends ne'er to rise. Twice to the dearest we're leaving behind, who know we can never deny the call of the sky. <laughs> <laughs>